0: On a peaceful spring day, in the middle of April 1968, students sat in their New York University classroom, waiting for classes to begin. Papers were shuffled, pencils were sharpened, and seats were shifted and scooted around to become as comfortable as standard classroom seats can be. But in the midst of their preparatory rituals, unbeknownst to the students, a thin wisp of smoke had begun to snake its way into the room through a nearby vent. The scent, subtle at first, eventually grew more pronounced. And as the smoke's presence became eventually undeniable, a tension emerged in the student body. What do we do? The reactions were varied. Some grew visibly uncomfortable, shifting in their seats or wrinkling their brows. Others... Looked around to see if their fellow classmates saw or smelled what they did. But in the end, horrifically, most did nothing. And that is exactly what the researchers thought might happen. I'm Scott Byer, and this is the Love Better podcast, where we explore the truths and the lies about love, and more importantly, how to turn love into a skill, something we can get better at and hone along the way. Today, we're going to talk about the dangers of being a bystander, because the event I just described was a setup. In 1968, two researchers, Bib Latane and John Darley, concocted an experiment known as the Smoky Room Experiment. Its goal was to study the social effect, commonly known as the bystander effect. What happens when we feel like others could take responsibility for a situation? Do people act differently when they think that they are just bystanders and not active participants? The answer is yes, and I believe it is one of the most dangerous destroyers of love. Because bystanders don't act, they observe. And love is an action. Ask yourself, what would you be most likely to do if in the middle of class or some office business meeting, smoke began to billow out of a wall vent? Would you look around at what everyone else was doing? Would you still seek help if your classmates or co-workers all shrugged and went back to their lessons? Would you pull the fire alarm if no one else seemed to care? What Darley and Latane found was that when people are alone and encounter an emergency, they feel the need to act because isolation breeds responsibility. If I'm the only one here, I'm the only one who can do something about it. In their own words, the researcher said, if an individual is alone when they notice an emergency, they are solely responsible for coping with it. If they believe others are also present, they may feel that their own responsibility for taking action is lessened, making them less likely to help. In other words, most of the time, more people means more bystanders, not more helpers. When the same smoke was pumped into a room with only one person, they almost always reported it. To make matters worse, when you add apathetic actors into the mix who shrug their shoulders and behave indifferently to the smoke, only 10% of people reported it. I want you to properly understand how powerful the bystander effect was and is. The smoke continued to enter the room. And even though they filled the room with so much smoke that people began to cough and have their vision obscured, in group conditions, most people still refrained from reporting it. That's right, everything's on fire, but we're fine, no problem. Nothing to see here. The study itself is absurd, but the impetus for it, well, that's no laughing matter at all. Four years before the smoky Room experiment was performed, a young woman named Kitty Genovese was attacked outside her apartment building in Queens. Initial reports claimed that as many as 38 witnesses heard or saw parts of the attack but did not intervene or call the police. Kitty did not survive. The shocking truth was that everyone thought everyone else was doing something, and so everyone did nothing. When the neighbors were asked why they didn't intervene or call the police earlier, answers included, I didn't want to get involved. Frankly, we were afraid, or I was tired. I went back to bed. It was a dark moment in New York history, and it had people questioning the moral decay of the entire country. But it wasn't moral decay in the basic sense. Everyone agreed that murder was wrong. It was a far more subtle moral decay than that. The decay wasn't caused by a debate over what was right, It was caused by a belief that somebody else should do what was right. Nobody rushed in. Nobody ran toward the danger or to the rescue. Everyone was a bystander. And no one was a savior. And that's the real issue. A world of bystanders is a world without heroes. The Bible is full of cautionary tales of the bystander. The story of the Good Samaritan. Who are the villains? The two guys that walk by on the other side of the road, assuming the guy in the ditch isn't their problem because they had business to attend to. When Jesus was crucified, where were the adoring crowds of his triumphal entry? Or even the disciples of his inner circle? Everyone was watching. No one was stepping in. Even mobs are mostly bystanders with just a few instigators. In James's exceptionally practical letter on what it means to live a life for Jesus, he says in chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed, be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Indeed, what use are words when actions are needed? John builds on this anti-bystander theme when he writes in 1st John 3:16 through 18. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of god abide in him little children let us not love with word or with tongue but in deed and truth the problem with bystander behavior is that it is so much easier it allows us to let others take the lead and wait to act based upon the momentum of the crowd it rationalizes cowardice it rationalizes apathy I don't have to be bold if I wait for others to go first, and I don't have to take responsibility because others will. Which is nice because, well, deep down, I really don't know that I care as much about that injured fellow on the side of the road anyways. Why do his problems have to become my problems? And dangerously, this isn't just seen in society. It's often seen in churches too. The larger a congregation becomes, the easier it is to fill the pew, but duck the responsibility. More deacons means less work for me, right? The bystander effect is closely tied to another phenomenon called the diffusion of responsibility. When there are more people, we tend to mentally diffuse or spread out the responsibility over everyone so that we feel less accountable for acting. So what's the solution? Well, Latane and Darley studied the bystander effect for years, and they decided there were five stages at which we become bystanders or we become helpers. Stage 1. Notice or be distracted. Stage 2. Interpret the situation as an emergency. Or don't. Stage 3. Assume responsibility or assume that others are responsible. Stage four, know what to do or lack the skills needed. Stage five, decide to help or choose inaction. If you miss any of those stages, you become a bystander. And to be fair, sometimes that's a good thing. My son-in-law is a paramedic, and when it comes to stage four, knowing what to do in an emergency and having the skills, you want him trying to save your life, not me. I lack skills beyond basic first aid. He's put the work in, and he has those skills. Make me the bystander, and let him help. Sometimes it's okay to be a bystander. If you lack the skills to help, make room for the professionals. But stage number four is rarely the problem. Typically, it's the first three stages that are the real issue. So step one, don't be the guy that said, I was tired. I went back to bed. Start paying attention and noticing things. Get out of your own head. If you want to love better, start looking for the person struggling to put a heavy load in their car at the Home Improvement Center. Notice the single mom trying to figure out what she's going to need to take off the grocery belt and what she can afford to keep on. Start seeing these things. And if you do, you'll be one step closer to leaving bystander mode behind forever. Step 2. Recognize emergencies as emergencies someone that is caught up in sin that's an emergency a christian that has started to drift from the lord that's an emergency your friend neighbor coworker, or enemy that is beaten down and ready to give up that's an emergency your kids that are infatuated with the babylonian ways of our culture and media that's an emergency Don't wait for it to get worse. These things are problems now and they need to be addressed with a sense of urgency. And step number three, assume responsibility. We tend to do the opposite. We tend to assume we aren't responsible, but that means I'm choosing to be a bystander. Participants find their part. Assume that you have a part to play in the events going on around you. I'm not the paramedic. That's not my part. But that doesn't mean I can't get him or clear the path so that he has easy access to the patient. My part might be getting his attention or making it easier for him to do his part. Assume you have a part in this great play called life and start being an actor. Do something and assume there is something you should be doing. Passive is for bystanders. Active is for you. Which brings me to the great anti-bystander of the Old Testament. There is no greater proof that you are made to make bold, risky moves than Queen Esther. The book of Esther tells the story of a Jewish woman named Esther who becomes the queen of Persia. Haman, a high-ranking official in the king's court, plots to have all the Jews in the kingdom exterminated. When Esther learns of this plan, she faces a dilemma. She could have remained silent and avoided revealing her Jewish identity. But instead, she chooses to break the bystander effect pattern by taking action. Esther decides to approach King Xerxes to plead for the lives of her people This is a risky move, as approaching the king without being summoned could result in her own death. But Esther puts her own safety on the line to intervene and save her people. In Esther 4.16, she says, I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Esther's decision to take action in a critical moment is significant, She doesn't rely on someone else to step forward or hope that the situation will resolve itself. Instead, she takes personal responsibility and uses her position to advocate for justice and protection for her people. Esther's story demonstrates the importance of breaking the bystander effect by showing initiative, empathy, and courage in the face of adversity. Her willingness to risk her own safety to intervene and advocate for those in need is an inspiring example of taking action rather than remaining passive, indifferent bystanders. Which is why, in our house, we call these Esther moments. When you have a chance to do something, participate, get off the sidelines, and make bold, risky moves these are esther moments because esther was no bystander learn to love better learn to love like esther and the good samaritan stop trying to love like a bystander learn to love the responsibility and find your part to play if you've listened this far Hopefully we've done something to help make your life a little bit better. Would you mind returning the favor and helping us by subscribing to the podcast through your favorite platform? By sharing with others or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, you help us reach more people. Also, if you want more information about the work I'm doing at Eastland, visit us at eastlandchristians.org or my personal Bible site, biblegrad.com where you can sign up for daily Bible devotionals called Bible Bites, receive them in your email each morning, take online Bible classes, or find videos that will help you study through the Bible throughout the year. And until next time, remember, you are loved. So go love better.